Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. You know, I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just coming home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck... Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. We're back. The Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast is back, and unfortunately, it's under uh, terrible circumstances. There's been a hostile takeover of the podcast, and I've been forced and coerced into the uh, direction of how this show is going to go by my new co-hosts. So if you guys do not like how we're doing this from now on, it is all the new guys' fault. And uh, before, before we introduce them, I... We're going to start it off with this, all right? You find yourself alone in the duck marsh. Your decoys are set. It's about 15 minutes before shooting light. You have a good scout, and all the cards are ready. A group of hunters walk up to you. All right, take some notes here, guys, real quick. One's a skybuster. One's an overcaller, as in calls too much. The other one has a GoPro attached to his head. And one has a dog that won't listen. Now, your hide will only accommodate four hunters. So 
somebody's got to go back and sit in the truck. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off to uh, Matt. Let's go. Let's go with you first. Who who am I kicking out? Yep. Only four hunters can hunt that hole. Who's staying? The sky. You got a skybuster, an overcaller, someone with a GoPro attached to his head, and then one that has a dog that won't listen. Who's going back to the truck? I'm gonna have to go with the skybuster. That's skybuster. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So Matt's answer is the skybuster. Thomas. I'm going to go with the Skybuster as well. Oh, okay. That's a, I'm docking one point from you for uh, agreeing. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then everybody knows your, your lovable co-host, Alex, uh, who's going back to the truck, the overcaller, the overcaller is going back to the truck over the Skybuster, the guy with a GoPro on his head. And then the one that has a dog that won't listen. Yeah, the GoPro guy sits next to me because he'll get some sweet footage. The uh, and I'll just like color it up with some face paint. The guy with the dog that won't listen just gets tied up in the blind, and then I take the Skybuster shells. Okay, much like the direction of this show so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, honestly, guys, you were all wrong. You were all incorrect. The real answer is that hit your plan B. So, oh. yeah, that's sorry. A trick question. That's a, that's a, yeah. A, all right. All right. All right. So I've, I've, I've briefly, I've briefly mentioned all of your first names, some of you, your second name. Now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go round Robin style and we're going to have Alex is going to go first, introduce one of the new co-hosts. Oh man. Goes first. Way to put me on the spot, Ben. Anyways. Uh, well, I will introduce you to, let's see, uh, man, now I gotta get all the names right. Skip me. Come back. Okay. All right. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt, uh, can't read your last yeah, name. You nailed that. Yep. Thank you. No, Matt Zavlonic, high prairie sportsman. Uh, go ahead. Introduce, introduce Thomas for us. And last but not least is Thomas Hoke from Virginia Outdoors Unlimited. That's it? That's all you got? There's nothing about... Not, you, you don't want to describe who he is as a person, as a... anything? Well, we don't want to give away everything <laughs> in the first episode here, Ben. You want to leave a little mystique, you know? You know, as like... This is this didn't go as I as I thought it was going to. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, how, how's, how's your no plan plan going, Ben? No, it's not. There's no plan. The plan was that there would be no plan. All right. There's about to be a hot right. takeover of the introductions. Yeah, apparently. All right, Thomas, tell us a little bit about yourself, Thomas Oak, Virginia Outdoors Unlimited the golden child and probably, probably the most promise and probably the only one worth saving in the YouTuber realm of my friends. (laughs) Um, my name is Thomas as they've already introduced me. I am 19 years old. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I am a full-time college student during nine months of the year. And wait, 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 right now you're a full-time college student. Well, during during typical times, not right at the moment. So, what have you been doing? What have you been doing since this whole semester has been shot? 
Uh, so basically up until early May, I had regular online classes. Those were a huge drag. Uh, really did not enjoy those. And right now, I'm actually lucky enough to be doing research with a professor from my university uh, through a university-run research program, and we're doing a really, really cool waterfowl study. So, I'm actually really enjoying my month of June, and then uh, July and August, I got pretty much an open schedule, and then back to school in September. What What are you guys studying, or can you not say? Um, I My degree is environmental science. We're studying basically population dynamics of the mid-Atlantic waterfowl population. Oh. Yeah. So in like, without using big words. Basically, we took a took a public data set and then we looked at the past 70 years and we're looking if certain populations of birds have been increasing, decreasing, or um, like neither during that time period. Okay. And so what has been like the hot button tip, you know, like what have you had to say about, you know, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service not being able to do a population survey this year? Has that been talked about? It hasn't been discussed. I think it'll be discussed as we um, flesh out our paper more. I think it's probably going to be a topic that comes up. But right now we're kind of in the initial data stage right now. So we're really just grinding in Excel. That's what most of my work has been for the past couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. Matt Zavlonic, what have you been up to, man? Who just working. I never, you know, I didn't get a break. I've been essential. So, been working from home. It's kind of been different. Um, other than that, doing a little bit of fishing. Not too much, though, because it's the wind never dies out here. All right. Alex? Yes, sir. Have you been paying attention? Do you know what we're doing right now? Yes, introductions. I okay. absolutely have been paying attention. Uh, well, I have been up to... I've made some improvements to my chop shop in the meantime. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking. Let's not well, talk about chop shop yet. I, I know. I'm just saying, I'm just the filling legal, in what I've been doing. The legal disclaimer hasn't come through yet. So. Right. Well, you know, the paperwork's in the works. Uh, I've been getting packed up, getting ready to relocate over to Thomas's area there in Northern Virginia. Um, thinking about like really doing a lot of digital scouting as much as I can, getting caught up on the laws. Um, up there just getting familiar with the new territory and riding out my last few days here in South Texas before I hit the road in the first week of July. So looking forward to some content building. Awesome. Awesome. So, all right, what's the consensus guys right now? Um, how many days till you guys can hunt? Mm. Well, September teal season for me. So 15 September. So it's like 94. Seven days. Yeah, I gotta open my counter up. But yeah, something like that. Yeah, we're set. Same for you, Thomas. Yeah, eighty. Well, we can hunt geese here in Virginia. So eighty-five days until we can hunt September geese, and then I don't even really count teal season. Um, we have under a thousand teal shot each year in Virginia in teal season. So first day we can actually shoot ducks is one hundred twenty-three days, October 9th. Oh, that oh, makes geez. me so sad to hear about the teal. Damn. you're in a decent you area for teal you you have a decent opportunity to see some teal if you hunt a few days um but they are really really scarce in virginia blue wings <sighs> all right matt how many days how many days till we can hunt? we start september 5th here for teal so it's a, around that 90 day period i think it's yeah 91 is what i had 
you guys aren't doing a very good job. I, I gave you all this study work and you're messing it all up. Hey, I think I had my, uh, my numbers right on the head. Thomas, you are excluded from that last comment. So this is really about me and my ability to count days. Fine. I'm going to crack yes. another beer and start counting. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody get on any turkeys? I know I know this is a sore topic on the Fowl Front Waterfowl podcast, but anybody get on any turkeys? Oh, and by the way, thanks for asking me, guys, what I've been up to. Ben, I appreciate that. what have that. you been up to? So you get from... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take a minute here to, to hear Ben's story. <laughs> yeah, I this think is the, 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 listener, the listeners are really going to be wanting to hear this story from you, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, why Where the foul Why hasn't been? there been a foul front episode since February, Ben? Ooh. Oh, geez. I mean, I can't tell you. It's not for a lack of people harassing me on Facebook Messenger. I'll I don't tell think you that. they did it enough. Um, <laughs> I like started like blocking people. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't block any of you, but I did ignore some of you pretty hard. Um, why has there not been an episode? Well, one, um, I was moving. I moved. I think the last time I was like in my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's basement. Bathroom. So I think bathroom we'll recording. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. No, it was my truck. I was recording in my truck and it was freezing. Um, just been moving. I started a new job. Um, and uh, things have been, you know, I've been trying to get onboarded there and really been hitting the ground running while I'm over there. So working over at at uh, Sovereign Sportsman Solutions and AKA and Powder Hook and that as well. So got a new job and just been trying to learn the ropes, get my feet under me. And you guys are all terrible at planning. That's why we haven't done an episode. Yeah. This is where you're supposed to like pawn it off on your trusty co-host for just letting you down for months while you were busy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I said, Hey guys, here's the link in the login. Go ahead. Start making some episodes and crickets. Yeah. I said, I trust you with the the direction of the content, and thank God um, that didn't happen, honestly. You guys are all really lucky that <laughs> – not you guys, not the co-hosts, the, the, the listeners. So, hmm. but – all right. You guys have been doing some non-waterfowl stuff uh, over the, the last couple months. I, I want to start it off, uh, hopefully, in brevity – Alex, you shot a species that none of us have probably no, – none of us have probably got to hunt. You want to talk about that a little bit? So you're talking about my uh, my Rios this year? No. <laughs> talking about your Axis deer. Oh, well, geez. yeah. Um, yeah, I got an Axis deer this year. That was my last Texas Hill Country bucket list item and – I got, I got really fortunate uh, from the standpoint of like a good network of hunters hooked me up with some landowners in the hill country that had free ranging herds, which for, so, any of you, Oh, it wasn't high fence. No, these were free range. Yeah. It was a free range trophy buck, like 31 inches is what he measured out at. Um, and it, it was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, it was through a friend of mine who I, I duck hunted with this year a lot. And he put me in touch with a guy that coordinates with ranch owners and they basically, 
when the herds cross their land, they call you and, and you can come in and hunt that piece of property. And so I went out and with a landowner did a spot and stock on this deer, ended up crawling about 350 yards on my hands and knees and picked cactus thorns out of my elbows for better part of a week. But closed the distance, put a 108 yard shot on him with my 308 and uh, pretty much dropped him in about 15 yards. So um, yeah, big, I was, I was super proud of getting, I was super happy to get the opportunity and happy to see the network of hunters came through for me on it. And I was really happy that the trophy access that I got out of Texas was a free ranging, uh, free ranging herd on a spot and stock hunt. Um, you know, it felt really authentic and the, 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 the camaraderie of the hunt was great and just all around a really awesome experience. So a memory that I'll definitely keep for the rest of my, my hunting, my hunting and outdoors life, which will be all of it. So Matt Thomas, you have any comments about that? Sounds awesome. I, it's one of the species I've always wanted to chase. I think they look absolutely awesome. So, uh, really jealous of that. Now you said 31 inches. Is that like a, is that a big axis here? So anything, anything over 30 inches is considered a trophy axis deer in Texas. And if you look on, like, if you go and type in like axis deer hunt in Google, you'll see a lot of, you know, operations like ranch operations, high fence operations, which I mean, honestly, like I'm not, I'm not going to open the can orbs on that because when they say high fence, they've usually got like two or 3000 acres fenced, you know, it's a lot of space. Um, but they charge, they charge a, a pretty obscene amount of money to get an opportunity at a 30 plus inch deer out here and so like to get one that's on a free range like a free ranging herd low fence that's that's like that's a that's a pretty pretty cool thing to like i said get the chance to do so yeah and that's that's like from the base of the head to the tip of the horn like that's that's how much wall space i'm going to need vertically to put them up on the above the fireplace gotcha all right, how many turkeys we got down? Let's uh, start with Matt. I got two this year, both Merriams, and both with my 28-gauge. Oh, nice. Um, and were you in a blind or were you... Yeah, I'd, 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 stock no, I do the pop-up blind. I like, I like that. All right, good. Man of many words. Thomas, did you get a turkey this year? I got my got a turkey, and I also called in my first ever turkey for a buddy to shoot. So those were two really awesome experiences. Uh, that bird I called in, we had him come right up to a decoy, fan out. My buddy missed him first shot, and then got got kind of lucky, hit him on the second shot. I'm not sure if that was luck or skill. And uh, then the bird I killed, we were literally finished up a morning sit, walking down a road see some hens out in the field like 100 yards to our right and we kind of just both stopped it was me and my father and sit stand there for about two minutes and this bird gobbles right on the other side of the hedgerow like 30 yards away we had never seen him never even knew he's there made one call he came straight through the hedgerow and shot him so uh two very quick but very fun hunts for me this spring nice nice alex yeah, got two two birds this year. One was my wife's first that I called in, and it was awesome because it was we were sitting in a pop up blind, um, and it was textbook. Like, um, what was interesting about my turkey hunts this year is I killed both my birds after twelve o'clock in the afternoon this year. That came screaming into calls, so um, I did a lot of long like long day sits. So I I got we got two down, and then I missed two birds this year. So one of them I had a. Uh, 
a uh, a light strike on my on my gun. The shell like it hit the primer and it didn't go off, and the turkey heard the click, and that was the end of that. And then uh, another one, I I just straight up missed my four ten. So just was what it was. But I had a great season. Can't complain. How how far were you were you away when you missed with your four ten? Um, it was pro. It was right about thirty five yards. Yeah, that's so. That's it was. It was. I, I I ranged it out. So I was. It was the first time I took my four ten out and I arranged it, and I basically knew my my yardage markers, and, and I was happy about it. It was it, it was at least it was a clean miss. You know, I didn't see any feathers come off the bird. Like I know that I didn't uh, injure it or anything like that. So. Um, that was the first time I ever tried to take a shot at a turkey with the 410. And I think I, I took away a few lessons learned on it. Like if you're going to, you know, I, I'm sure the gun, like the gun is more than capable at that range. And it was just me, but it's kind of more like, it's more like rifle shooting. Um, like more so than a 12 gauge or a 16, I would say like a 12 gauge that pattern opens up pretty wide at a distance, but those things stay pretty tight for, for pretty, the, the whole, the whole deal. So need a little bit more practice on it. So, but just happy I didn't wound the bird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, uh, I got a bird down. I think it was, it was May 1st, I believe. Um, I, I heard him uh, in that same spot. Um, actually we got me and my buddy, Alec, we were out during bow season and, uh, we were sitting in this blind that was kind of facing towards the road on a, on private permission that we had. And, we got shot at from the road, um, from our, like a, a guy with a rifle. He was shooting into our decoys. So that ended that hunt. And then, uh, but we knew where they were gobbling from. So I went there like two weeks later, went right underneath the tree, had to back out because, uh, I realized there were six birds in the tree above me. So oh. I had to reposition. Yeah. And then I just sat real still about 30 yards away with my little Jake decoy out there and, made I think one peep right before they uh as they were starting to act up there at shooting light and they came down and I that the bird that I got he had pretty much hit the ground with his fan up and he was hollering and he had maybe been on the ground for a minute minute and a half before I was walking back to the truck so that was that was nice finally to get back on the back on the board and then uh I won't talk about my uh, trip that I went out to Western Nebraska because I'm actually going to have those guys on. Uh, we're going to do a little play-by-play on that because we had a pretty pretty sweet day. I had to hide out in like a shed out on this uh, public property in a, during a rainstorm. It's pretty cool, but I uh, so I did my just side note. I did a, my first like stalking the turkey like with a Jake fan like creep up on him. And uh, so I had three birds gobbling under some sage bushes and I got within about 20 yards of them and some pretty thick cover until I got visibility on them and they were three jakes. So I I just kind of sat and watched them and, but it was kind of cool. It was the first time I'd ever like had to creep up on turkeys before we using like a a fan. I knew that they could see me through the bushes, but I really couldn't see their beard until I got close. So that was a, that was a cool experience this season. Just that didn't even result in a shot, but it was a, it was fun still. All right, I got a question uh, for Matt. Um, I guess and Thomas too. What what motivates somebody to put a GoPro on their head and uh, record all their hunts? Um, and kind of what goes 
you know, what, what motivates you to do that? Well, I guess, um, I guess I'll start off here. Uh, so the main thing is, you know, just for anybody that wants to do it is it's a great way to go back and look at your hunts. Um, like right now, you know, when duck depression is really hitting, you can go back and just relive that hunt and remember details that you might, you know, you know, you might've forgotten. Uh, it's, it's, so you're capturing memories. Um, another reason that I do it is, you know, I, I want to get more people interested in the outdoors, specifically hunting. And it's a great way to show the ups and downs and what actual real duck hunting and just real hunting in general is like. So those are my two reasons for it. I'd say mine are very close to the same, uh, definitely along the same lines, like to get people into waterfowl hunting. I feel like these type of videos that we put together uh, offer a pretty unique and um, true representation of waterfowl hunting for the most part. And then it's really, like Matt said, a great way to remember memories. The way I try to edit my videos is like a video log. So instead of, you know, some people have a notebook, some people have a spreadsheet, they keep different stuff in about duck hunting so that you can go back and look. Um, for me, it's kind of my videos. 10, 15 years from now, I'll still have these to be able to go back and remember this hunt that I probably... Sorry, that is my severe thunderstorm warning thing. That was... Uh... That was annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just issued a <laughs> having some having some well, weather to the east of me right now. Like central Nebraska is getting smoked by tornadoes. I guess like around Broken Bow. Yeah, I think. Yeah, my grandparents live in Broken Bow. Yeah, and then to the west. Well, I guess we're under thunderstorm watch right now. So it's. I mean, right now it's clear and little wind, but that's about it. I think my sprinklers just kicked on. Might have to. Huh. <laughs> All right. What were we talking? Oh yeah. What's uh what's the best waterfowl YouTube oh, channel out there? <laughs> Just gonna put it the on best. blast. The best. The flyways collective. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's right. my answer too. <laughs> no. One no one. You have to choose one. Well, one I'll show. say another inspiration for me putting the GoPro on my head, as you said, one thing I will say about the GoPro on your head is it's not comfortable. Uh, anybody who's worn a GoPro on their head for about four hours during a duck hunt, know the relief of when you take that thing off. Um, but for me, I started like right when I was getting into waterfowl hunting was when Elliot from freelance duck hunting was posting his first video. So for me, and I think this is emblematic of a lot of the younger waterfowl generation. I learned a lot of what I learned in the first year of waterfowling through watching YouTube videos. So um, a lot of what I really contribute to kind of my love of waterfowl came from freelance duck hunting and uh, Josh from Outdoor Limits. They were the first two to really get on the YouTube scene. Now, Matt, don't ruin this. I'm trying to make sure we go this whole show without mentioning the big bearded man. Who's okay, so don't oh. don't mention <laughs> the sister. Don't podcast. mention him. Okay. All right. Yep. Nope. We're not. Yep. We're not mentioning. Him. All right. We'll we'll just ignore him then. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, there's so many good YouTube channels out there and it, it, I mean, the great thing about them is they all offer like a different perspective and different areas to hunt. Like Thomas said, you know, Elliot and Josh, uh, down there in Kansas, they've got some really great Kansas hunts. There's one in Arkansas I'm pretty fond of. Um, you know, Thomas shooting his black ducks over there in Virginia is really great too. And then Titus over there in California hunting the refuges. It's just cool to see the differences in waterfowl hunting across the country and kind of, you know, how people decoy birds and where where they have to take them and the pressure and just everything that goes into it. I, I just find that really interesting. Now I feel kind of bad. We can we can mention him. No, you know what? I don't think we should mention him. I think it almost maybe adds to the allure a little bit if nobody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> it's like like negative press. Oh no! I'll I'll say it's like it's duck gun something is if you want to find it. So all right, let's let's pivot a little bit out of. To, well, actually, no. Is it all good? Is it all good that everybody's just recording their their hunts, or is there some bad to it too? Is there any negative? Like I, I feel like I see more and more people doing it. Is that true, I, or is that not true? There is definitely negative. Yeah, there. I mean, I'll there's definitely more people filming it now. If they're posting it up on like YouTube or online, um, you know, I, I see a lot of new channels pop up, and they kind of tend to burn out because I think a lot of people don't realize just how much work goes into making the actual videos. Like it, it takes a lot of work. Like we're talking hours for just one video. Um, so, you know, that, that's one thing. Um, you know, so I've had people message me. I'm sure Thomas probably has too, but like, are you worried about burning spots out? Well, not really, because if you don't know where we hunt and if you can hide like visible landmarks and other stuff like that, you're probably not going to find it. Like the only people that are going to know about that spot are people that have been there or like, very good internet detectives, which there are some out there, um, you know, more, seems like more on the fishing side than even hunting. But, uh, Thomas is a great internet detective. I can attest to that personally. What is going on over there? Yeah. Alex, are you there? Yeah. What's up? Quit dicking around with your microphone. I'm not doing anything with my microphone. Let me have a microphone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh great. <laughs> <laughs> that, that thing got packed in the move. Um, all right. So you did, you talked a little bit about some of the, some of the negatives, uh, especially that, you know, Thomas is a great internet scouter. Yeah. And I've put a lot of time and effort into being a good internet scouter. Um, and then, you know, that's not so I can steal people's spots. There's other reasons to do to be good at that. But, uh, I'll say, you know, if people are saying they're able to find your spots from YouTube videos, they are lying because if Matt said, like Matt said, if you don't have a landmark in it or, you know, something else, you're not going to be able to pick out a spot. So I asked, I want to ask you this, Matt, um, you posted a Turkey video the other day. Was it actually true that your camera malfunctioned and we saw everything, but, the the actual shot or were you just trying to like you know be one of those conservation guys it's like oh, no it's the camera kill. actually did malfunction because i actually showed thomas and uh the bearded guy from indiana on uh on our discord chat that night when i got back i was like you guys have any clue how i can record you know or recover this file like the file corrupted on me for some reason and 
of all the times for it to happen, it was during the shot. So I finally found a program and that's what I got. I mean, you can see that it's kind of, it's not the best. It kind of like skips and there's, I don't know. It, the audio is trash on it. I had to cut the audio out of it completely, but no, that, that wasn't planned. Okay. So no. you are all about the no, kill. No, 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 no. I am not a kill dependent <laughs> hunter as Elliot would say. That's what he, uh, he, he goes into a lot of detail about that. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the experience and, uh, putting some food on the table. Okay, so one of the main things that I wanted to get at with this episode in particular, especially with regarding everything that's kind of going on in the country right now, you know, we got COVID and then um, we've got the recent, you know, um, kind of the protests and some of the riots with uh, the George Floyd murder. And there's just a bunch of polarity, I think with everybody, um, you know, left and right and all this other stuff. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to get your guys' take on how we can make the outdoors more inviting for everyone. Um, like, uh, you know, whether it be the color of your skin, your, the party that you affiliate with, um, whether or not, you know, you want to just have like locally sourced food, or if you're just interested in hunting, like what are some of your guys' ways that you are trying to make the outdoors more inviting? I'll start with, I uh, think we kind of touched on it, you know, just for a minute there about like our YouTube videos. I mean, that, that was one of the uh, inspirations for me starting my own personally. It was just to get more people out there. Um, You know, I, I do stuff on Facebook and other social media platforms too, trying to do that. Um, but honestly, that that's that's you know you've got to go to where the people that don't hunt are, uh, or people that might be interested in you know that that's that's online. The the youth, the young generations, the college kids, high schoolers, the ones coming up because they're going to keep this passion, this tradition of ours alive. Alex, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean. I guess like what I try to, what I try to invite people into the outdoors and like get them out here for it is kind of like a, as a break in a way from some of the polarity, you know, I think that's one of the best parts about going hunting. And one of the parts that I really liked about guiding is, you know, people show up and they want to go hunt or like, you've got a coworker or something that wants to go hunt. Um, it's really an opportunity to kind of to share a resource, um, that doesn't have to get polar, you know, like you could sit there in a duck blind or you could sit out in a turkey field or sit in a deer stand or, uh, you know, whatever you sit in a boat when you're fishing and you can just kind of look and appreciate nature and share that with somebody. Um, and you know, you can almost see some switches turn for it. And I've, I've had some friends that I've been able to bring in the outdoors and never really experienced that before. And it, it kind of changes their thought process on it. And, you know, one of the big things for me is, is I try right up front to, to, to not even make it remotely issue-based in some respects. You know, it's easy. I think the conservation is one thing where people hear conservation, but that also could be read totally differently, you know, depending on who you talk to about it. They hear conservation and they hear, you know, they automatically thinking of a certain party affiliation or they, they start stereotyping to a certain extent. But I think if you, if you just kind of let that conversation come as people grow to appreciate the outdoors, it becomes a much more like innate understanding of it. Um, and gets people interested without ever having to cross that boundary. And so I guess that's, that's kind of my thought on how I introduce people to the outdoors. And, 
you know, the, the approach I take to it, uh, whether that be friends, family, clients, you know, um, it's, you know, it's really just about that shared experience in that moment and then setting it up for other ones. I think Alex hit the nail on the head. Um, I don't have a ton to add to this. I will say, I think it's really about kind of putting the resources in the right areas. You, some people just aren't going to like the outdoors. That's just how it is. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but I think we just need to do a better job of identifying, you know, the youth groups who are interested in the outdoors, kind of intrinsically interested in the outdoors and then bridging that gap between hunting and fishing and other kind of outdoor activities like we like to do. And maybe some, um, less, uh, I don't know what the word is less, um, resource oriented outdoor activities. Yeah. That's kind of like the crap deal of it. Right. Is, is as much as we want to say like, Hey, the outdoors is, you know, for everyone. Um, there's still, there are people out there, a lot of different people. And I'm not even talking about black people. I'm not even talking about, um, you know, uh, city folk or anything like that. It's just doesn't seem that accessible when you're on the outside looking in. It's these big barriers that we have, you know, going into it. But I, I mean, I don't want to speak as to what everybody's barriers are because I, you know, I'm putting a lot of time into trying to understand those barriers. Um, but it's so personal. I mean, whether or not you, you don't have somebody there, you don't feel comfortable in the outdoors or comfortable around guns or um, comfortable even in the space of kind of we've, especially in the waterfowl hunting world. Um, I think we're, we can really get at each other's throats sometimes, you know, well, I, I, you know, you talk about the barriers and you and I have discussed this stuff in the past too, you know, barriers, entry and ways around them. And, you know, I think that, so I'll take Texas as a really good example and I, and I'll, and I'll use Texas as an example for, um, you know, barriers to a certain extent. So like the duck hunting here, um, there's no walk-in, you know, like why does, why does, Alex run a chop shop It's because there I have, I need bows, you know, that is a barrier, you know, like that is something that is required to get into the sport or have a close friend that does. And, you know, and you can look at all the issues that surround the why that is some of them are really good. You know, the, the prime place I hunted, it, it would be considered what I would think is sportsman's dream. It is an entire lake that is surrounded by a WMA and there's no houses or anything around it. Um, but that creates, you know, there's, there's only, there's very limited access to it, which keeps it in very good shape. Um, but that in and of itself that, you know, so you could almost look at it that way. It's like, well, that conservation created a barrier. Like there's no entry to it. You know, you can't, it's hard to introduce someone there. Well, on the flip side of that, you could go look down on the coast and there you have a totally different problem where the public access is restricted because of private ownership. Um, and so there's like, there's both sides of that coin here when you start talking about like, how does someone get into the outdoors in a place like this? And I've talked about it with my family here too. I was like, I've enjoyed Texas because I have the resources to enjoy the public things here. But if I didn't have those resources, I would have a very different problem set and I'd have to seek other ways around it. And that would require me being extremely motivated to do it, which for someone that has never part, you know, done the sport before that motivation is probably not there. Um, which I think that's, it, it's incumbent on us now as ambassadors of the outdoors and the sports to recognize our local restraints and provide a form of access to people that are curious, you know, and that's what it is. It's a curiosity. It's somebody, it's somebody around you that says, Hey, I've never tried it, but I'd like to like, that's the opportunity to create an, another ambassador that you have to kind of 
do yourself because that you have to take the initiative on it. You know, and I, I kind of put the responsibility for that on, on us uh, as outdoorsmen that are passionate about it. You know, when you talk about like the curiosity thing, I would say a good number of the people that I have invited out that were like successful endeavors. I don't even know if they were curious. I like, they just heard me and someone else talking about it. Or they heard, they saw a picture or something. They were like, Oh, what's that? You know? And I was like, Hey, you want to go? And I was just very forward about it. And I was like, ah, not really. I was like, it's really fun, dude. X, Y, Z, tell them this, tell them that. And they're like, ah, all right. Like that initial, like invite going out and being like, Oh dude, do you want to go? Or Hey, do you want to go? Like, I think that's just, I think that's like the step one is going out there and literally inviting people. Because I think, I think that can be quite an intimidating ask. Well, and it's a, you know, it's, it's like Thomas, you're talking about the YouTube, you know, why do we do the YouTube channels? Like what is, you know, why would somebody wear the GoPro on their head? Right. It's, it's a form of, it's a form of that ambassadorship. It's a form of communication and, and, and exposing people to an experience that they may have an interest in doing. Um, and that's why, like, you know, I, I look at us as, you know, us, like I said, outdoorsmen in general, outdoors women, like people that enjoy the space as being those ambassadors and policing ourselves with it too. You know, like when you see that GoPro video or you see that YouTube video that could put things in a bad light or squash that curiosity, you know, cause that's what I think you've got to get first, right? You have to get someone to say, Hey, I think that would be cool. Or I would like to try that, but I don't know how, um, literally about anything even beyond waterfowl hunting. Um, and then bringing them along because that's an interested party now that wants to learn. Um, and you can build that kind of enthusiasm. You can't, you can't generate that many other ways than that kind of innate, Hey, I'd like to give it a shot. And then us taking advantage of it. Matt, I want to play a little game here, a little devil's advocate game. I'm going to make you be the devil's advocate. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement and then you, I'm going to give you just a, if you need me to give you some time to come up with like an argument against it or, you know, what's some negative rhetoric around it would be, um, let me know and we'll come back to you. Okay. All right. There is no place. And this is the wrong podcast at, for you to listen to. And there's no place in the, in the outdoors. If you're somebody that says, Oh, there's too many hunters. Um, in my marsh already, all the statistics and all the research is, uh, just jaded to make more money. And there's plenty of hunters as it is right now. We don't need any more hunters. Okay. So what do you want me to <laughs> I agree? I guess I, <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, maybe I, maybe I reframe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So let me reframe this question is how about this? Um, there's too many hunters. You know what I mean? There's too many hunters out there. Gosh, I'm really suckering so, this one up. Yeah, so no, no, here's, here's, <laughs> no, no, hold on. Stop. There's no plan thing is going great. Here's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> really good at this. Um, all right. Let me reframe it. So what I'm saying is, so what is somebody saying? Like, why would they say that? Like, why is that so correct? Why do they have that? Like you're going to be that guy. You're asking. Well, I, yeah, 
Like who's I think the guy it boils that's down that? to people hunting crowded WMAs, crowded public lands that have seen an uptick through either YouTube or, you know, TV shows such as Duck Dynasty. We know there was a little bit of a rush, uh, you know, a renewed interest in waterfowl hunting because of that. Um, so I think that's probably where that perception comes from is, you know, they, they roll up to the marsh that they've hunted for years and it, it, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, stereotype anything or anything like that, but it seems to be kind of the older generation that mostly says that because they probably hunted that area for years and they might have seen, you know, maybe one or two other hunting parties out there. And all of a sudden all these kids that are new to the sport, they're interested, but they don't really know exactly what they're doing. So they're sky busting or they're overcalling or doing whatever. And that's, you know, that's rubbing them the wrong way. Um, I, I would guess that is where the perception would come from. Nail on the head. Oh. Yeah. Hi, Thomas. Nice to have you back. Sorry. <laughs> I think that was per- perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I, you know, I think it's, it's the people have that entrenched view of like what, what their Nirvana is and that's being disturbed now. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, that would, that would, I mean, it, it upsets me. Like, I'm not, like, when I go home and fish my home river for, you know, and I see a whole bunch of people on a fishing now, I'm kind of like, what the hell? Because I fished this, you know, for 30 years. Um, and I remember when there was nobody there, you know, but honestly, what I've learned is, is I, I don't care unless I see abuse, you know, or I see it getting trashed. Um, you know, then I, then I start to care a little bit more. But it took a little while for me to get past that as somebody that's, gone through that experience personally you know yeah it's i think it's kind of a small price to pay and like if you're still picking the low-hanging fruit areas as you progress i mean you know it's funny you you talk about the you see people coming to your marsh you know i experienced a microcosm of that this season where the area where i was hunting got a lot of attention and it started bringing in a lot of people from out of town it started crowding spots i had an incident this past season i don't think we ever discussed it on a podcast where uh, a friend of mine, he got, he got a, he had to go to his plan B and he was going to come hunt with me. And, um, I was actually a little bit late to the spot and I got someone jumped to it and he ended up going through their decoys and it led to this whole like debacle that actually devolved into social media too. Like it went into the duck hunting groups and it was, it was really interesting. And so my answer to that was, is I told my buddies, I was like, well, you know, I've got the resources and the tools now. Like I'm just going to go somewhere different. I'm going to go further, you know, and adjust my tactics and, leave some of these spots that, yeah, I've had a good time in and they're usually very productive, but I have an ability to go somewhere different, you know? And I think once again, that's a responsibility of experienced hunters. If we want to have that experience, like we probably have tools that the newer folks don't have to do that. And you know, it's probably a communication thing, but once again, I put a lot of responsibility and onus on those of us that are in it and committed. Um, here, here's an interesting question that I'd like to ask all of you. And, uh, I'll know, uh, we'll, we'll all kind of get a feel for who you are. If you don't answer it, what's the worst thing that you've done to somebody in the marsh, like to your fellow sportsmen? Hmm. Oh man. Um, you want me to start? Yeah. Me to start? Go for it. Yeah. yeah. This is what sure. I, okay. I, I, this is when I still feel like pretty, pretty bad about, there was like this, 
spot and these this group had kind of been like getting pretty close to me the last like week or so and so um i was like you know what like they've been just getting closer and closer it's been kind of messing the hunt up so i hung a headlamp off of a tree um on my way in um and then went and got it like five minutes before shooting light and i still feel pretty bad about that like essentially I created like a 700 yard buffer. You know what I mean? Um, and the space, uh, the, the, the situation probably should have warranted me just cause it was just me out there by myself. So I don't even know why I did it. Um, it's not like I had a new hunter with me or anything like that. I guess it was just a little bit being a little bit selfish, um, and kind of proposing my own, like, Oh, you need to be, five, 600 yards away from somebody in the, on this public space. And, uh, I mean, karma on me, they had a great shoot that day and I didn't. So, um, but that's the worst, I think the worst thing I've done to somebody out, out in the field. Oh man. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to think of like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like when I get fed up with a crowd or like when they start getting crowded, like my reaction is just to go somewhere different. You know, like I'll just, I'll just find another space, I suppose. Um, oh, so you're saying you're without sin on public lands? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm trying to think of like a time where I'll, I'll say it's been convenient for me because I've had it. Like I've had the luxury of being able to do it. You know, so yeah. it's like if I did not have that luxury, I'll, I'll tell you, I've had some thoughts of things that I would do. Like, I don't know. Oh, hang okay. on. Hang How about this, Alex? You think of the worst thing that you've done. We'll, we'll circle back to you. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm racking my brain on it. It may not be duck hunting. I think I've done some pretty bad things fishing. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll accept a fishing uh, story. All right. Thomas, I, Matt. I yelled at a guy once. That, uh, well, he was shooting what was before. He doing? It was about 15 or 10 minutes before shooting light. And he was, he had, a, he had to have been a 10 gauge and he was just letting her rip. You know, we had birds in our decoys and we're waiting those 10 minutes or whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And another about five minutes before shooting light again, another volley, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I I had it after that second round. I was like, it's not shooting light. You need to, you know, and then he didn't shoot much after that. So that'd probably be. So I take it like, sounds like you were just, uh, you know, policing up a fellow sportsman by take it since that came to your your mind maybe the words you didn't use were very, no i just very yelled nice. very aggressively i would say oh okay thomas what about you man uh for me it would probably be last year i just accidentally set up on some guy and his kid like a hundred yards behind them um and I just didn't know they were there, had no idea. And it kind of ruined both of our hunts. I think we, I think he would have probably had a decent hunt if I wasn't there. I think I would have had a banger if he wasn't there. So I think, you know, that just, it was, it was an honest mistake, but I still felt bad about it. But my number one rule out here on public lands is to avoid people. So I've have very, very limited run run-ins. All right. All right, Alex, have you decided what's the worst thing you've done? Uh, I have, I've, I've cut, I've cut lines before fishing, you know, as far as like, if people have like gotten up, like if they've, if they've set trot lines or things like that, that are not 
you know, that are in, that are obstructing areas and things like that. I've cut and pulled those out of the water, which, you know, you feel bad about because that's somebody's like put that out. But I also like, I, I, I removed the ones that, or I removed the ones that I consider to be like obstructing a public way. As far as waterfowl hunting, I have set up close to people that have, you know, like, I, I guess, all right. So I had this one morning where I was hunting with a group of people and they showed, they showed up late. Like they were obscenely late. Um, like an hour from, from late. And so that same, that morning that we had some people that like were extremely rude to one of our groups, like I set up about 200 yards to him and it, it kind of like what Thomas said, it screwed up both of our hunts in that one. But at the time I think I felt justified because that guy was super, he was, he was super rude to us, but I should have probably just taken the high road and canned the hunt for that morning when it was late already. instead of trying to push it and disturb other people's stuff. So I guess that morning I was that guy that was going out, you know, 10 minutes before shooting light, um, in my boat, trying to get to a spot and set up a hundred yards for somebody that I perceived as to be a, to be a not so friendly person, which yeah, I feel pretty bad about that now that I reflect on it. All right, good. Now that I've got you all feeling terrible, um, what do we got to look forward to? What do we got on the YouTube space uh, well, there, boy? We have, uh, We've all joined together for the Flyways Collective. We announced that about a year ago now. Um, so that that I, that takes up most of our weeks, don't it, Thomas? Seems like we're always on Discord talking about that or uh, coming up with ideas for that. Um, yeah, we're in kind of our big second push with that, kind of trying to get it out there. So that's yeah. Other a lot than that, you right know, now. just doing some fishing, uh, some tips, cool. videos. Uh, we're kind of stockpiling videos for the August blitz, we like to call her. And uh, yeah, just wait until, well, dove season and then teal season. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even think about doves. Not the, the 91 days. So, uh. Yeah. Mm. When's, when's dove season open for us? Same as teal season. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Not in Virginia. Not in Virginia. Thomas, you're really Thomas, you're really upsetting me right now about Virginia. <laughs> well, Virginia opens up September first. We actually yeah, have very good dove hunting here. So I think you will be pleased with that. All right. So I'll be so South Texas, the we have white wing season. White wing dove opens the first, but the season proper doesn't open here until the fifteenth. But it doesn't matter for me this year. But so Thomas, I'm gonna be calling you up when I get up there. Like where the dove hunting is, so yeah, definitely we need to have a, a phone conversation. All right, Alex, are we going to be hearing some chop shop episodes coming up? And in, in case any law enforcement has been listening in on this and tallying up uh, our hunter harassment stories here, and uh, taking note that Alex Wallace is mentioned multiple times, his chop shop. Go ahead and explain that, please. Well, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably consult with you guys a little bit on the YouTube thing because I've been thinking a lot about it since we mentioned it when we were conversing a month or so ago. But, yeah, so I've got a new addition to the chop shop. I, um, I, I fixed up some boats. So, you know, basically I've, I've, made, it a, I've made it a hobby to buy, buy, fix up, repair, re-rig, duck boats, use them workout kinks, list of for sale, upgrade. And so my latest acquisition as of about three weeks ago is a 2060 Go Devil with a 35 horse surface drive on it um, that I got for a pretty good deal. 
it needed quite a bit of work. So a guy had hit a stump with it um, pretty hard and actually dented the aluminum in and put hairline cracks in it, which I have never seen, by the way, on any duck boat. I've never, I've seen people rip holes in the bottom of the hull, but I've never seen anybody like hit an object so hard that it stress fractured the aluminum. And so, but the guy was selling the boat for a price that could not be beat. And uh, what I did is I took the profits from my sales and I bought an aluminum welder. And I have a fabricator here that's been teaching me how to TIG weld and MIG weld aluminum up to the gauge and thickness of duck boat hulls. Um, and so I, uh, I repaired the boat, knocked the dent out, put a patch in, consulted with GoDevil. Their customer service was as usual on point. They told me the alloys to use, got that all shored up, tested it out this weekend. And I've got a whole host of customization that I'm going to do to it now to get it ready to get up to the to Virginia and the Potomac. So I don't know, Thomas, you tell me, but I think a 20-foot boat, 60 inches wide, should be sufficient on that river to get to some big water blinds. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I I'm I'm pretty happy about it. I've uh, you guys saw some pictures I put out where I got my bow fishing rig set up. I've really taken into the welding part to expand my chop shop capabilities, but. I'll post some pictures out and, you know, if I could get the right setup here, uh, I might, I might see about talking with you guys about putting some clips together or something to, to hang on YouTube, which I have zero familiarity with generating content with. But as far as on the, on the podcast, yeah, I look forward to, you know, if you guys want to post questions in the group about boat rigging, I've been doing it for a while now. I've owned boats my whole life. And, um, if I don't know an answer, I'll refer you to the experts that do, because it has built a network for me of people that, um, people that know the answers, you know, for, to a lot of hard questions. And it's really made this part this hobby a lot more enjoyable for me. So yeah, short clip on the chop shop there. What about you, Ben? What Alrighty. are you going to be doing here the next couple months? I am going to just be working and I'm going to be, I might try one of my neighbors came over and introduced himself to me um, while I was mowing the lawn the other day. And thankfully enough, it was the right neighbor that came over. Um, he's got a boat and he's really Ooh. big into fishing. So Ooh. yeah, I know. Right. I know I'm starting to like my neighborhood. Uh, the neighbor right next to me, he's got, uh, he's got more guns than I do, which is pretty sweet. Uh, my other neighbor, he builds bird houses um when he's not you know in arizona um he's an older gentleman and then uh yeah this guy's got a boat so other than that um uh, just knee deep and we're rolling out a bunch of these configurable these these challenges uh that you can get on powder hook right yeah, now so i'm doing that most of the day so it's so, uh the turkey and the oh, yeah, which foul. ones oh yeah we got i think we got 10 out there right now so oh, yep. i was gonna say that's the cheapest what? boat that's the cheapest boat you'll ever own is the one you don't so yeah good neighbor <laughs> that's what i'm thinking so but now other than that we look forward to um we got a couple episodes lined up here um it's not going to be all of us every single time, but I just wanted to make sure everybody got introduced and uh, off, you know, off on the wrong foot with the, the co-hosts so that uh, they could get a little sense of what's to come. And we'll get better at this. Uh, we're, you know, it's always 
fun re- you know, when you reformat a show and yeah, bring on some new talent. So uh, we look forward to hearing what you guys thought of this episode and what you guys want to hear in the future. So any parting shots from anybody? Mm, once the equipment issues come out, I don't want to do should be August. Out. Sorry. It's not oh, really a yeah. parting shot. It's a parting. Yeah. It's kind of a, the, the gearhead in me is like spinning right now, which Thomas, you and I will talk a little bit more, but I've been building my big water diver spread and I want to, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. So definitely, definitely. I'd love to get into that. Yeah. I have invested in some Myers classic decoys. Um, heard good things about those. Very, very good things. Those things are rock solid. I, by the way, like it's so just for everybody, it's like awareness. I'm learning. Like I, you know, Ben, I know that you have like garbage can decoys and that's like, and they work for you. Um, you know, my thoughts on them. So I've seen like, Hey, we're going to take care of these decoys. Ben, I feel like you would really get along well with like the diver decoy crowd. Those things are like black and white, big, durable, throw them wherever you want. And they last for a hundred years. I, I feel like that was a little pejorative there about uh, trash can decoys. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. Self- I don't think I've ever self-referenced that. I called them garage sale decoys. I did not call them garbage can decoys. I, I have this, and, I have this uh, vision of you like salvaging decoys that people are like tossing out, and you're like, "Oh no, that that, that thing will that'll hunt." Like, what are you doing? That'll float. Like, yeah, that'll yeah, float. Exactly. As long as it floats. Yeah. Like, anybody got some, some chewing gum? We'll patch, this, we'll patch this up. My spread just got bigger. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You're right. I should have I should yeah. have put you into that category. Garage sale. Um, you know what? When you do come down um, this fall, I think me and uh, Matt will take you on a real special hunt. We'll take you on a, a, little, a little coot hunt. And yeah. uh, well, that's it. Snipe hunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we have hunt. them here. Well, those are things. That's a oh, thing, I, man. I know. I know. I've, 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 I've shot some snipe down here, too. So it's just, you know, that was the thing that all the old guys used when you were a kid to, like, distract you and send you off on, a, on an errand <laughs> that went nowhere. I've never been on a snipe hunt. Oh, man. No. Maybe maybe it was just the old guys in my corner of the world when I was a kid. So, right, anyway, we better about the special. We better, hunt. we better. And yeah, no, it's gonna be a coot hunt. I don't know if you missed that <laughs> with your no microphone, no headphones situation over there, which will also change before the next episode, folks. This will be the lowest quality uh, episode that you have. We are playing to the lowest common denominator. Nowhere to go, but which up. is Alex at this point. Yeah. 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 So, well, once I get my computer in um, and my microphone set back up, which did I tell you guys I'm living in a shipping container right now? So let's talk about odd places we've recorded. Uh, anyways, separate subject, another day. But yes, Ringer is what the the name of the day was today. Yes, and nothing nothing negative about Ringer. But um, all right, let's let's wrap this up, guys. Um, Matt. Yeah, Thomas, you got anything for us? I just want to... Thanks for having us on. I've got to get a party shot in here. We're coming for you, Duck Gun Podcast. (laughs) That's... uh, No, I couldn't make it the whole show. You mentioned it. And and also, in case anybody wants to know, uh, 
the foul front and the duck gun podcast have fallen out of sorts. Um, sad to say we're no longer friends. Um, we just, um, it's, it's too much. We don't, uh, you know, we're competing over the same listeners and we just can't continue in a friendly relationship, uh, as you know, the way of the, the current sportsman, um, debacle. So. And, and Lord knows people can't listen to more than one yep. waterfowl hunting podcast. It's all no. It, there's fact, all, there, you can only have one. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do a little giveaway. If you unsubscribe to all the other waterfowl podcasts right now, <laughs> uh, we will give you uh, a high five and and talk negatively about you behind your back. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> In case anybody missed that, no, you know what? I don't need to. It's good. I was gonna I was gonna talk about how that was all sarcastic, but now I feel. Oh man, I, I did like not do a good job. Do I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I did not do a great job at hosting this episode, but it was fun to get back on the mic after five months and uh, appreciate everybody still still being here. In fact, there's probably nobody listening anymore because we've gone on way <laughs> too long. So, all right. Oh, Thomas, did we skip you? Did you have something you wanted to uh, close out with? I just wanted to say thanks for to you to ha- for having us on, and uh, I look forward to recording more of these episodes. You know what? I think it's just going to be me and Thomas from now on. Alex, Matt, Ooh. you guys can go. Yeah. No. Hey, hey Matt. You, you, hey Matt. You want to? Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take podcast. my podcast name with me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's tr- hey. you know what? Yeah, Genesis here is that. Um, Matt actually named this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I gave it wow, to Ben. I did nothing. not know that. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Matt, intellectual property needs to be stolen back. <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt's a, Matt's a great friend, <laughs> yeah. terrible businessman. Um, so. Yeah. He's the one that told me about the chop shop. So if I turn this thing around, like, man, he's, you know, for a guy that's got a pretty difficult last name, he's pretty good at coming up with ones, you know? So, yeah. All right. All right. Now we've gone too far. I got to hit stop on this guy. All right. Everybody bye. say bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the foul front waterfowl podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the foul front waterfowl podcast group where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week
life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.